It's been 25 years since the death of Kurt Cobain. The Nirvana frontman heralded Rock's grunge era of the early 1990s, tapping into a collective state of mind through earnest songwriting that challenged the angst and alienation of his time. Now, 25 years later, Cobain's impact on music remains as important as ever. And while he hated being called the voice of a generation, his legacy is ultimately exactly that. This is TikTok. I'm Andrew Mock. Joining me today is Danny Goldberg. He was Nirvana's co-manager from 1990 until Kurt Cobain's death. Mr. Goldberg, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So your new book, Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain, is out. Tell me, what was the message you wanted to get across with this book? I just wanted to paint the portrait of the Kurt Cobain that I knew, which was a little different from the kind of footprint that I thought had gotten out there over the over the years. Uh, I... I um, I, I worried that that his death had overshadowed his life, and I just had this desire to kind of tell my version of what it was knowing him and, and working with him, and this seemed like the right time to do it. And what is that version? Let's dive a little bit deeper into that. Who is the Kurt Cobain that you experienced? Well, he's certainly, first and foremost, to me, an artist. He was, he was a real genius. Uh, uh, as someone who thinks rock and roll is an art form, I think he's one of the great exponents of that art form. And in the context of Nirvana, he wrote the songs, you know, uh, all the famous songs, the lyrics and the music. Uh, he um, uh, was the lead singer and the lead guitar player. Uh, he, he designed the album covers, he designed the t-shirts, he storyboarded the videos, and he made all the decisions for the, for the, for the band. And I think the body of work really... Uh, uh, went deeper than a lot of just hit records do. Uh, he he, uh, for, the, when Nevermind uh, exploded in America uh, in uh, in the fall of 1991, it also became a success all over the world almost instantly. And now, 25 years later, I see people, teenagers, and people in their 20s wearing Nirvana T-shirts, many of whom were not even alive when Kurt uh, died. And I think that has something to do with the depth with which he. He uh, addressed uh, uh, teenage issues and, and issues of alienation and loneliness uh, so that he not only had a mastery of the commercial mechanics of, of several different kinds of popular music, pop, punk, and metal, but he had a, 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 a almost metaphysical connection to people's insides. Uh, so I, I, I think that his genius is really worth remembering. Uh, you know, I'm of the hippie generation. I was older than Kurt, and uh, I was a big fan of Jimi Hendrix. And when I think of Hendrix, I don't think of his death as much of his guitar solos. So I, on the one hand, I, I thought it was worth just walking through the series of dozens of decisions that Kurt made that created this body of work. And he was also somebody, although he was prone to depression, he did have struggles with heroin till the end of his life. He did kill himself grotesquely and tragically. He was certainly not depressed all the time. He was a warm, funny, loving guy a lot of the time. He was particularly nice to me and a lot of the people around him. To the extent he had darkness inside him, it was almost all directed at himself. Not everybody who's brilliant is 
is, is a nice person or a good listener, but, but he really was. So I wanted to show that side of him. I, I interviewed around 40 people that I knew during those years. It's not a biography of Kurt. Others have covered his childhood fine. I wanted to just cover those three and a half years when I knew him, and I, I, I talked to a number of people from that period, and I found uh, most of them shared this same feeling of just uh, bittersweet feeling, but not all bitter. The sweet part is the the love and the sweetness that people were able to uh, remember. So I don't sugarcoat the dark sides, but I, as a matter of proportionality, I think it's a it's a it's a picture of him that's a little different from uh, from the sort of uh, you know meme of of the suicidal Kurt Cobain that that was out there, and that's what I set out to accomplish. I hope some of his actual spirit comes through when people when people read it. You mentioned you're you're from the hippie generation. I wonder how, coming from that generation, how your image of the music industry and working with artists changed when you worked with Kurt Cobain. Well, the industry part of it was pretty easy, honestly, with Nirvana, because that album just exploded so dramatically. The public loved Smells Like Teen Spirit so quickly that it was not particularly hard to market, and it wasn't particularly hard to negotiate advances for them or you know, figure out the economics of touring or any of that. The the hard part was dealing with the emotional issues that came up, the scrutiny of the media, uh, and, 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 and so forth. Um, I don't think that it really changed my idea of the music business, but it exposed me to a brilliant person that I, the likes of which I never had met before or since. You mentioned the the kids and teens today that are growing up and getting into Nirvana's music who maybe were never even around or never even really knew of Kurt Cobain when he was still alive. What's something that you think would be surprising for them to know about the artist? I have no idea what would surprise anybody, but I just tried to paint the picture of him as I knew him. And if you're a fan of his, I think it'll give you a little different picture of him than than what what else has, has been has been out there. Uh, you know, he had a great work ethic, a great uh, love of art. Uh, he was not somebody that wanted to hang around with other rock stars or movie stars or get expensive clothes or expensive cars or anything like that. When he became successful, he was driven to to just do more art and to stay with a few people that he'd already known uh, and and he had a view of the world that was uh, progressive by today's you know political definitions he he uh didn't want to be a political uh, preacher and be one of those uh, quote unquote political artists but he also didn't shy away from being very firm about his support of feminism and 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 gay rights and and uh his uh, uh revulsion at uh, macho orthodoxy and that uh uh, you know uh, the dark side of capitalism. You know he he, he was a real uh, product uh, culturally of the sort of 80s punk rebellious culture. But he added to that this this musical sophistication that allowed him to also write songs that you know would get played on radio stations around the world, which other punk artists didn't. You you talk about uh, sort of the image he wanted to present and his sort of values that seem like maybe they were ahead of his time. I wonder if if that is perhaps a reason why his legacy still persists today. Do you think that's that's something? 
I don't really know. I think there's a certain amount of mystery about why certain art lasts and others doesn't, whether it's paintings or classical music or movies or theater. Uh, we've seen uh, certain artists, like Bob Marley comes to mind, who somehow feels fresh even decades after you know, they're not on the planet anymore. It's a tiny handful of artists like that, and I think Kurt is one of them. But I don't, I don't know that you can pin down exactly why, whether it's just the the accessibility and raw emotion in his voice, whether it's the cleverness of the lyrics that just somehow poetically get at certain inner feelings that that are uh, in, in a unique way, uh, whether it's just the totality of what he stood for in the culture as kind of an antidote to the macho version of masculinity. It, it, whatever it is, it, it, it's definitely transcended the early 90s. You talked about this dark side that Kurt Cobain was prone to. And of course, as we all know, he did die by suicide. He struggled with depression. Do you think as our society has has sort of changed since then and the conversation uh, has shifted on the importance of mental health, do you think there are some lessons to glean from Kurt Cobain's life? I don't really know. Uh, You know, I tried. I'm I'm not a psychiatrist or a uh, you know, spiritual leader. So I just have uh, as much information as I could find out as a as, as a lay person about what the what the current thinking is about suicides. And I was not able to find any evidence that people really know exactly what to do to reduce suicides. I think in an individual case, I certainly am a big believer in 12-step program, which is certainly not new to this era, but I think continues to be for people with addictions. Uh, probably the most uh, successful on a percentage basis of any of the kinds of therapies out there. I certainly don't know anything about the science of antidepressants. I know Kurt tried the ones that were available when he was alive, and they didn't seem to help all that much. Uh, I'm a believer in prayer and meditation, but it's not for everybody. Some people are transformed by it, and some people you know, just can't get into it. Uh, I'm not sure that the society at large knows much more about how to deal with the phenomenon of suicide than it did 25 years ago. But I think that you do the best you can because every life is precious. And if you love somebody, you try to let them know it and give them whatever support's available. But you also have to honor the fact that there's a mystery to the human mind that, uh, you know, the established order has not so far figured out. You mentioned you had interviewed dozens of people for this new book of yours. Uh, were there things that you found out that you were surprised yourself to have learned, uh, even even things you didn't know when you were working with him? You know, there were minor anecdotes that just fleshed out things for me and added some richness. You know, I think details help bring people to life. So. Uh, you know, uh, there were, there were, you know, when when Nirvana was first an indie label, they 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 couldn't afford apartments, you know, and you know they would often stay at the, you know, on the road, even in Seattle, in the in the home of uh, local promotion people, and then uh, uh, and then uh, you know later on when he became successful, he would still have one of them, you know, cut his hair, not never, not ever going to a hair salon or anything like that. That it. And and the the way that he uh, you know was with individual people. There's no uh, headlines in this book. You know his life was widely documented in the big events, uh, most of which I was there for. I can describe through my eyes, but they're not that uh, different. Uh, what I hope is that the aggregation of details just 
humanizes him, you know, because he was a beautiful human. And to close, for the people who are going to read this book, you know, perhaps there are a million and one answers to this question, but I wonder what's, what are some of the key takeaways? What's something you want a reader to walk away with now having read this book? I don't know. I just, uh, you know, go back and listen to some of his music, um, try to be a good person, uh, try to emulate the generous side of him. Uh, uh, if you know anybody that's got a drug problem, try to get them into treatment. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm not an artist like Kurt was, but I try in the book to, to give an artistic version of his life, and I just hope it touches people, you know, the way anybody who, who does, you know, writes a book or writes a song hopes their work affects people. You know, it's not a political treatise, that's for sure. But I will say this, Kurt definitely would have hated the policies of Donald Trump. There was this dreadful Internet meme about a year ago or two, that invented a quote saying that Kurt had predicted Trump would become president. That is not true. Kurt was uh, voted Democratic. He was not an anarchist. And he uh, he was, uh, by today's terms, a, a progressive. But as far as the book goes, I just, if you love Kurt Cobain and their music, I, I hope I, I paint a picture of him that's worth, makes it worth reading. You know, I did the best I could. Uh, I love the guy and, you know, it just seemed like the right time to do it. Well enough, people were still alive, but there's enough distance that people could get away from some of the anguish of his of, of losing him. All right. That's all very good to know. Again, I've been speaking with Danny Goldberg. He was Nirvana's co-manager from 1990 until Kurt Cobain's death. He's also the author of the new book, Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain. Danny, thanks for speaking with me today. Thank you so much for speaking to me about the book. And I'm Andrew Mock. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew J. Mock and get all of your news updates 24-7 at TikTok.